Hello, everybody. Welcome to Entrepreneurship Policy Calls, Episode 7. Today's conversation will focus on insights from the State of Entrepreneurship in Nigeria 2023 report. And this report is our flagship report at the Faith Institute, which we develop annually um, to provide an assessment of the entrepreneurial landscape in Nigeria. This report this year has a lot of interesting insights. And when I think of the past one year, the Nigerian entrepreneurship ecosystem has been through a lot of challenges, undoubtedly. When I look at the aftermath of the Naira redesign policy and the Naira scarcity that followed, as well as the implementation of the fuel subsidy removal and the harmonization of foreign exchange windows policy, just the, the foreign exchange fluctuations that we have been experiencing as a result of that, the businesses at the receiving end in terms of impact are nano, micro, and small businesses. And so this report provides useful information to better understand the ecosystem and also provides recommendations on how to design policies, interventions, um, or programs that can better support businesses to ensure that they thrive despite the macroeconomic headwinds that the economy is facing. And so joining me to discuss this report is the research team that put this together. Um, and I will start with Wilson Arumebo, who is a senior research fellow at the Faith Institute and also a senior economist at the Nigerian Economic Summit Group. I also have with me Oyebola Agunluye, who is the lead research programs at the Faith Institute, um, as well as Gospel Ubele, who is the CEO Streetnomics. And we'll get to know why Streetnomics, you know, plays a crucial role, especially when it comes to methodology and approach. Gentlemen, welcome to the conversation. Thank you, Amaka, for having me. Wilson here. Amaka, oh for having me. Oyebola here. Thank you. Welcome, Oyebola, and welcome, Gospel. Starting off very quickly, let's talk about the methodology and the approach that was adopted in putting this report together. Typically, the report um, surveys businesses across 36 states in Nigeria, including the FCT. Um, but in terms of the approach that was adopted and the methodology, Gospel, would you like to share on um, our design thinking around this this year? Yes, thank you very much, Amaka. I'm really great to be part of this conversation today. Primarily, the State of Entrepreneurship uh, report, research report, um, focused on um, um, presenting a very clear picture on what SMEs are currently going through in terms of successes, opportunities, growth, prospects, and challenges as well, you know, to doing business in Nigeria. Um, from the methodological end, we first and foremost took off on the social statistics um, data by the by the Nigerian Bureau of Statistics, you know, which uh, primarily explained to us um, the population blocks across all the thirty six states and um, the share of businesses in each of these states. So um, we had initially decided to launch this survey across all the thirty six states of the federation, including the LCT. So the document by the NBS came in handy to help us see and have a clear. Um, understanding as to SME representation vis-a-vis -vis all of the 36 states uh, in Nigeria. So with that, bearing that in mind, we're able to dimension the 36 states, including the FCT, across three broad segments, uh, which number one will be the core states, which are the 
primary commercial states in Nigeria. We want to talk about Lagos, Abuja, Kano, Rivers, Portacot, Kaduna. And uh, in this case, we added two other states uh, to make up the first um, core block states, um, which is about six of them in, in total. Then we had the, the uh, emerging state block band A, uh, where we had almost about 14 states in that block. And these are states that by virtue of economies of scale or nearness to commercial markets, you know, the SME activities or business activities in those states are picking up real fast. So we want to talk about states like Ogun State and Oyo State, you know, states like uh, uh, like um, Edo, Delta and the likes, you know, and um, Abia, Nambranco. All right. So we had about the bulk of almost 20, 20 states, 14 to 20 states represented there. Then the last block was the emerging state band B. You know where we had states that were not so emerging but could as well you know if 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 they had access to economics of skill give or take or necessary policy reforms were taking where were uh, um, led in those states they could significantly you know um uh, be very much representative when it comes to doing business in nigeria so all of the rest of the 36 states that were not in band a that were not in the core block or emerging band A were in emerging band B. Um, for each of the states, we actually did not have an equal sample representation. Um, that's number one, based on the fact that there are, there are diverse SME representation in those states. The pace and level of reform and business activities in each state is different. So take for instance in Lagos now, the pace of business reforms or business activities in Lagos is quite very different from the pace in Cross River you know, or Calabas case may be. So it, it made sense to sort of, you know, we, 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 we built around the representation that would ensure we take into cognizance the commercial activity in those states, whilst also reducing the, the possibility of having too much variation in our data sets. So for states where you have high-end business activities like Lagos, you should expect um, um, a stronger variation, you know, when it comes to data, it's because you have so much more businesses who have different realities, who are faced with different uh, um, contexts, who have different perspectives to tell, and all of that. Compared to a state like Kebi, for instance, where you have, you know, almost similar experiences or realities by SMEs, give or take, in that state. So, by virtue of the weight of economic or commercial activity in a state, uh, we also drafted sample size accordingly to curtail the impact of variations. So in states where you have high variation potential or high business activity like Lagos, we took on more sample sizes up to the tune of about 600, up to the tune of about 600, you know, SMEs in those states. So all together across the different, um, the three different blocks of um, um, states representation, we, we achieved we set out to achieve a sample size of about 800 and 8,500 this year. Uh, but, you know, as, as luck would have it and good execution in the sense, we're able to hit up to 10,377 SMEs as a representation for the State of Entrepreneurship Report 2023. Also, it's very critical for us to add that um, our surveys were done offline to a large extent. We had loads and loads of uh, um, enumerators on the field who are constantly engaging with you know SME representatives that's owners of businesses mid-level managers even employees who are sharing the perspective um, across uh, on the state of doing business as well you know in the different climes and um, 
that helped us sort of gain you know very good insights across different stakeholders we also spoke to um uh, SME executives slash you know uh, non-governmental organizations slash reform specialists slash executives who, are, who have strong opinions within the SME ecosystem in context um, we also spoke to regulatory bodies you know um, that that represented the voices of SMEs in one way or the other you know in different climes um, to also add to this we ensured that there was strong representation um, when it when it when it comes to gender uh, representation in business as well as sectoral representation you know in business um, the execution was such that for instance in lagos we went to the high-end urban areas we went to the semi-urban areas and we went, went to the seemingly low-end urban areas or fairly rural areas within lagos and that helped us to gain insight across board um, again across different SME representation when it comes to sectoral engagements and we also um, uh, identified with cluster centers business districts you know, to, you know and that helps us facilitate with SMEs in clusters understand cluster impact or, or or yeah cluster impact or cluster bias on the state of doing business as well so that's sort of like a a fairly detailed summary around how yeah. how we led the methodology of the state of entrepreneurship report we also led uh, um, studies online as well sorry the survey link on online as well to our pool of smes uh, who existed at data sets just you know gain some more information thank you thank you so much thank you so much gospel if you were to quickly respond to the question as we proceed in the conversation right well, we're going to see and hear results around uh, in terms of the ranking and how some states are doing on the ranking as compared to others. And typically, the question that arises when when we put out results like that is to say, oh, how did you collect the data in this state? How come this state is not the one doing better on on, on the ranking? So, so I guess I will just pause for now and come back to you when we hear the results uh, in terms of the findings. Um, to, to maybe share a bit more around why or how that disparity, you know, comes about. But thank you very much for sharing those insights and those thoughts. Um, I would quickly jump to you now, Oyebola, so if you can hear me. Um, Oyebola, in terms of, Gospel has talked about the methodology, you know, and the approach that we adopted. But in terms of the survey instrument design itself, you know, questions that, you know, the entrepreneurs were asked what do you think or how what was the approach that was adopted or be adopted for that okay um thank you very much for the question um for us um we wanted to ensure that the questions that we we're asking were first of all direct but also you know hitting the main points that we're trying to get information from i mean we asked questions when we're designing the survey questions we're looking at questions around um business um performance and which we're looking at um, in terms of growth for their businesses areas of where they um, witness growth and um, some of the factors that led um the influence um, growth for their businesses as well as factors that mitigated against um, um some of their business experiencing growth um also we wanted to ask questions around you know if they've been able to acquire skills to better run their businesses either for themselves or also for their um, people working under them so we're looking at questions around skill acquisition we also look at questions around um perception of opportunities um how optimistic were they with regards to their businesses within the next one year and also in terms of optimism for um 
um, how well they feel the um, government has you know put out policies to better their businesses you know within the past one year and also within the next one year we also ask questions around you know um how they've been able to um use uh, or digital technology in their businesses and how it had affected their businesses for those that use technology what kind of technology do they adopt for their businesses and for those who even adopt our technology for their businesses we're looking at questions around you know what were some of the reasons why with the Bene, um, adopting technology for their businesses. We also wanted to look at um, questions around um, some of the, you know, events that must have impacted their business within the one last one year. Like you mentioned when you were um, giving your introduction, um, we had about four major events or, you know, themes that affected um, the state of entrepreneurship uh, within the past one year. Um, so that will really come to mind would be um, the removal of fuel subsidy and also the Naira redesign policy. So we felt it was necessary for us to gauge the um, gauge the experience of um, the, the entrepreneurs themselves. How well were they able to mitigate, or how well were did these changes in policy affect their businesses? So for us, you know, in terms of developing the survey instrument, we had it had to be you know direct, had to be it had to have you know a lot. Of, you know, for lack of a better word, purpose to uh, uh, get the main information, the main meat of the information that we're looking for. Um, not having so much ambiguity, but just straightforward for the entrepreneurs to understand clearly and for them to be able to give, you know, clear um, responses to some of these um, questions that we put forward to them. So in all, it took a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of planning, you know, and um, a lot of um, adding and re-adding and subtracting and just, you know, a lot of ideating to ensure that the questions cover all the aspects of the um, pillars that we have um, um, for the state of entrepreneurship. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Vivala. Um, I like that you mentioned or emphasized asking questions clearly and directly because that was definitely something that we were going for to ensure that every business owner or entrepreneur that we engaged with could understand what we were asking, the questions that we were asking. So um, thank you for providing the context around the design of the survey instrument and the questions. Um, Wilson, I'm coming over to you now. Um, Oyebola had touched on the five pillars very briefly, he touched on them, um, but I'm coming to you to sort of discuss a bit more. So this is where we're now delving into the findings and um, where you can now also speak a bit more, uh, provide a bit more context around the pillars that we use for assessing entrepreneurship across states in Nigeria. Um, and maybe from there, also just tell us what the state of entrepreneurship is looking like today especially when we compare with what the situation was last year. So over to you, Wilson. Great, uh, great conversation so far. And one of the things we did this year, and we've done this for you know, the last three years in this uh, report, is to be able to measure the state of entrepreneurship. So that's what we call the state of entrepreneurship index in Nigeria. Um, it's almost typical like what you have with the you know World Bank doing business index or WEF's you know competitiveness index for countries. And so we decided to do something um, similar for Nigeria as measuring you know the state of entrepreneurship in the country. 
And within that scope, uh, what we did was to define five pillars, which Oyebola had, you know, mentioned, you know, in, when he was talking. And those five pillars are perception of opportunities, innovation and digital technology adoption, business performance, skills and acquisition, and enabling business environment. So we had scores for those five pillars and the overall score was then gotten by aggregating all of these scores for the five pillars to then find an index. And so straight to the numbers. Uh, so we have a case where the index for entrepreneurship this year is 0.52. Last year it was 0.58. So you can tell that there's some sort of a decline, you know, in the state of entrepreneurship index for Nigeria. And, you know, all of the reasons highlighted so far, you know, tough doing business environment. We had the FX policy, subsidy removal, narrow redesign, full scarcity. We had the elections and so many other um, issues. All of these, you know, reflected in how tough it was for entrepreneurs to do business in Nigeria. So in essence, it's uh, becoming a bit more tougher to do business in Nigeria based on the state of entrepreneurship index that we've uh, been able to uh, produce. And so um, looking also at the five pillars, you know, what we find is that across all the five pillars, we had a case where four of them recorded a drop in their sub index, you know. Um, so for instance, perception of opportunities, we had a decline in that, you know, from 0.8 last year to 0.64 this year. Business performance, you know, from 0.5 last year to 0.48 this year. Skills acquisition from 0.48 to 0.47 this year. And lastly, enabling business environment from 0.46 this uh, last year to 0.36 this year. So it was only one pillar that we recorded improvement, which is innovation and digital technology adoption from 0.55 last year to 0.58 this year what all of these mean is that you know across all of the five pillars we're seeing a case where you know four we've recorded four declines and and then one improvement um so little surprise as to why the overall index recorded a decline now you know when we look at these five pillars perception of opportunities came on top you know um as we've always had in the last uh, two to three years so it was the highest amongst all the other pillars 0.64 so and the lowest was enabling business environment 0.36 so it's also consistent with what we what we've had in the last three years and i think I, I, entrepreneurs know how difficult it is with issues on electricity um, infrastructure access to finance and all of those key issues that are captured under enabling business environment. So no surprise with that. Uh, but one interesting thing is on this perception of opportunities bit, uh, the fact that we recorded a decline relative to last year. You know, the entrepreneurs that perceive opportunities within Nigeria, you know, in the next one year, um, that share of entrepreneurs declined, you know, especially when we compare it to, to last year. And what this, this tells us is that People are still hopeful. People still see opportunities because it's, it's still the highest amongst all the other, all the in, index, that, uh, the pillars that we've tracked. But then 
people are even less hopeful than they were a year ago and you could also link that to um, all of the changes that we've seen in the business environment uh, over time then finally in terms of the innovation and digital technology adoption which is one of the which is the only pillar that we recorded some growth or improvement you know a lot of things happened this year and one of which is the cash and naira redesign uh, policy so it's sort of like the cashless policy um so how that op- that policy was implemented yes it negatively affected many businesses according to still the state of entrepreneurship survey but what we found also is that businesses were it's almost like you, the, the policy pushed businesses to the wall and businesses had to fight back and innovate and think of new ways of doing business and you know little wonder why today we see lots of people accept cashless transactions or ca- they use cashless platforms to do transactions you know you walk into a street and then you can easily um, pay for something without necessarily using cash i mean these are things that we would have struggled to achieve you know 10 20 years if we had continued on the same pace but with that policy we've seen lots of businesses adopting technology you know to be able to um, ensure ease of payment and ease of transaction so that's perhaps of all the many many negative things about that policy i'd say uh, that's perhaps something positive that we could point to as a result and so that it also is also very much reflected in our our uh ranking for this year right thank you thank you thank you very much wilson for sharing that um it's interesting that perception of opportunities, even though it still ranks the highest this year, but the number, the number of people, in a way, we can say the number of people who are optimistic has has dropped. Um, you know, um, but then you also touched on some of some core issues that happened within the ecosystem. Uh, so I was wondering if you want to share a bit more around that. Uh, Oyebola also did touch on it lightly. Um, but you might want to just expandate a bit more. Yeah, so many uh, interesting, you know, findings from the reports. Um, if I if I run through all of the, you know, we tracked so many things. We tracked the impact of full subsidy removal. We tracked the impact mm-hmm. of the Naira redesign policy, and we even looked at the index across state level. You know, so that's even something uh, something more more interesting as well and because of course nigeria is made up of states and the fct and so it's always and businesses reside in the state so it's always good to then uh, narrow this conversation down to you know actual daily activities of businesses and in in that light i'll say that you know across all the states and the fct so kano state was you know one of the top performing states as far as our index is concerned so kano state had the highest score of 0.75 you know, and that's like 75% out of 100, you know, which is quite a good score. And it's even higher than the national average of 0.52 that I mentioned earlier. Um, so within that scope, you would see some of the top five performing states, Kano, Kogi, Kaduna, Bono, and Bayelsa states. Um, you know, many of these, two of these states are located in the northwest, you know, Kogi, north central, and then northeast for Borno and then Bayelsa in the south south. Um, so we see a lot of uh, the northern states or states in the northern region, you know, kind of like doing quite well. Um, and then um, for Kano State, they did well across three main pillars, business performance, 
innovation and technology adoption and then enabling business environment. Um, for the states at the bottom, so we had Niger, Yobe, Taraba, Oshun, and Zamfara states. Uh, they came, came um, had the least scores. And overall, like, you know, relative to last year, we saw that 19 states actually declined uh, relative to last year, while 17 states and the FCT improved their ranking and then Aquaibon maintained its general, um, its, its position compared to last year. Another interesting thing is business creation. You know, so we found out that, you know, the share of entrepreneurs that created businesses in the last one year was 30%. Last year it was 32%. So um, there is some sort of a decline, you know, when you compare this with last year. Um, so it's not again surprising because it's quite tough to do business um, in Nigeria. And then, um, but again, we also see that for 2% of new businesses that were created, you know, were created by female. Um, and that's also even much higher than what we had for 40% for last year. And um, yeah, so our women are creating more businesses, um, you know, um, amidst all of these difficulties. And interestingly, there's a theory that, you know, says that the more tougher the business environment is, the more difficult things are within Nigeria. The lesser formal jobs people can get, um, the more people are likely to create uh, businesses. Now, so whether or not those businesses are created for whatever purpose they are created for is a whole different game entirely. And how well will these businesses be able to live and survive in the next, you know, five to ten years? And I think that's one big problem, you know, that a big issue that needs to be um, looked at, you know, over, overall. Then when we look at the impact of poor subsidy you know, 90% uh, of entrepreneurs said that false subsidy removal had a negative impact on their businesses. And, you know, this is even whether your business is male-led male or female-led, in fact, it's almost the same numbers we're getting from both sides. Um, so, but in terms of the business size, that's, we then see that smaller businesses are more negatively affected than bigger businesses, of course. Uh, bigger businesses have the, you know, financial capital um, expertise to be able to navigate such an interesting complex policy like this um, subsidy removal. But for small businesses, it's almost like, you know, you were struggling before and then this came as a shock, you know, so it's, it's really, really um, negatively impacting them, you know, and key areas where this policy affected them include things like, you know, operating costs loss of customers, lower profits, um, because again, aggregate demand was really, really low and severely affected. And so businesses, you know, some businesses had to, you know, shut down for some others. They just kept going on struggling to survive. And this begs the need for, you know, quick intervention to be able to support many of these small businesses. Yeah, thank you very much, um, Wilson. Um, I, I think you ended on a great note by saying that um, we urgently, urgently need very favorable policies, interventions, or programs to to support businesses in light of just what what businesses have had to endure over the last uh, one year. But you touched on a very important topic where you shared that Kano came up top 
uh, when we look at the when we look at the analysis across states, Kano State emerged, you know, uh, on top in terms of the subnational index. So I'm going to come back to you, Gospel, uh, because this is what I was referencing earlier in our conversation, where um, a lot of people typically would expect that more maybe states in the in the in the West, you know, would have emerged higher or would have taken that spot, you know. But here we are, we are, and the and data doesn't lie. So here we are, here we are, and we see Kano emerging on top. But you and your team collated data, interacted with some of these entrepreneurs, um, had boots on the ground. What are some insights that you can share um, from your interaction that maybe could could have contributed to the result that we're seeing? Thank you so much, Amaka. Really, really great um, conversation here as well. I mean, lovely perspectives from Dr. Wilson and Oyebola. Yes, so um, I mean, it's safe to say first and foremost that uh, no two contexts are the same when it comes to mm. data and data engagement. You know, we could be in the same region or the same country or even the same locale, but the realities in the different local could really differ when it comes to, um, you know, measuring impact and assessing the pace at which you know uh, reforms and all of that may have been implemented in those areas. So, um, last year, 2022, Nigeria saw a lot of events, you know, coming from the Naira redesign to the announcement to, you know, sort of um, uh, drawback on the on the on the quote unquote old notes for the new notes. Uh, we saw pre-election uh, and how it shaped the national and local economies. And um, safe to say that when economic events are happening like this, back to back, back to back, businesses suffer. And um, in a way, businesses that are much more clustered in the commercial spaces actually suffer the most, especially when you don't even have the strong um, 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 structures, you know, to help those businesses bounce back. All right, and then businesses that are in relatively slower-paced economies, you know, would actually it would take a longer time for them to feel the impact of those um, of those of the, of these series of events I mentioned. Especially when you have a situation where the locals in those spaces are sort of intentional about pacing the impact of these events on the businesses. So take for instance in places like Kano and even some northern states, um, we saw a situation where, you know, many of these policies, before they were fully implemented, in fact, they were implemented in parts in Kano. Um, take for instance the narrow design policy and all that. We had a situation where many of these old notes were still in play, as much in play. When when the impact of elections and all the all the uh, narrow commercial impacts heavily on on, on transportation and cost of mobilities. We saw also situations where associations in Canada, for instance, you know, sort of had to go on the price war engagement, holding back on the pace of increased prices on its member structure. We also had a situation where, you know, the whole full subsidy argument and increase in the pump price and all that, that was also slowly paced into the local economy. And at some point, um, the government of the day, you know, also created some relief uh, packages for the informal sector, you know, you, and you have a lot of informal businesses as well in those regions. So you had some form of um, quote unquote fair tax breaks that helped businesses also pace themselves into 
these events, especially as they unfolded nationally and you know regionally and and, and subnationally. So, um, when you just suppose that the fact that some of these events also happened in Kaduna, you also realize that because of the commercial outlook nature nature of Kano, you know more businesses enjoy the benefit of those cluster and supports that they had, and the fact that uh, you know whilst policies were being introduced at the, at the federal or monetary or at state level and they were hitting so bad on businesses in lagos businesses in kano were taking a different you know uh, form of reality in terms of the protection the, the properly well-paced nature of those events on their businesses so um it, it's safe to say that um, uh, the, the nature in which the way in which nigeria has evolved in the last one year has really really disrupted the status quo and um, when you just suppose with what we had in the 2022 report you know the dynamics are really different they're almost two wild worlds apart wide worlds apart and that's because the events that framed 2021 leading to 2022 you know were much more intense and at a higher level i mean 2022 was the year that the naira moved from um in the black market moved from about four to five hundred there there about to about eight hundred by year end you know four to five hundred as a january to about eight hundred by year end so that impact alone would would be felt stronger faster on 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 uh businesses in the south than in the north you know so and and, and it's quite interesting how the north sort of took over you know just by being able to pace the impact of these um, economic events on SME. so those are part of the headline reasons why we've seen that significant change and also to say that even amongst the top five at least three or four of the states there were not amongst the top five in the previous month. Sorry, the previous um, um, edition of the report, which was the 2020 edition. So, uh, uh, when you relate that to post-elections um, um, arguments and the, the the narrative about how the elections actually went down in some states, you also agree with me that there were more states were prone to insecurity risks as of others. You know, states where, unfortunately, states where you have a high commercial activity attraction had you know more insecurity when it comes to uh, pre-election on election they are even post-election dynamics than you know states where you have uh, more or less northern states you know in this conversation so most of these events came together to sort of frame the realities of businesses you know and because you have more association level even though they're informal more association level seeking to protect the interest of businesses in places like Kano, way much more than in Lagos, you now have that um, those dynamics also being reflected in the state of doing business for the different uh, um, cities when you compare them. So those are part of the insights that sort of shaped our, um, our outlook, you know, and um, how we sort of also envisaged doing business in these local areas, and of course how it also played out in the index as well. Thank you. Thank you very much, Gospel. It's always interesting when we discuss this. I mean, we discuss this internally, um, some of this insights and findings internally as well. And um, it was interesting um, from our own conversations, you know, when we, because I recall we also discussed the fact that you have, you have quite a number of development organizations, you know, in Kano and in the Northern region, also pouring in you know support for businesses you know and all of that so yes that could that could also play that could also be a factor um and i recall the twitter space conversation that we had of the state of entrepreneurship report where we had someone from kanu actually you know corroborate um the data that we have collated and one of the things he shared stuck with me was the fact that you know officials were very supportive 
you know so you could walk into a government office to make inquiries to just access support and you would find somebody somebody willing you know to help willing to support it's interesting um hearing that because typically the feedback you get from from the average entrepreneur in nigeria is that oh when you go into regulatory when you visit regulatory um, offices or organizations there's no support really uh, 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 from coming from some of those offices so it was interesting to get to get that feedback and to also hear some of the insights uh, that you have shared as well um so we've we've, we've discussed a lot in terms of the data in terms of the analysis how nigeria is doing um at the national level and even the sub-national level um let's now talk about the way forward let's now talk about solutions and and policies and recommendations and so i will start with you wilson if you were to identify one major area uh, because understandably there are a lot of issues within the ecosystem a myriad of challenges if you will and unfortunately we may not be able to tackle all of them at once but if you were to identify one specific area that the government could focus on, and not just the government, governments, public, um, private sector, individuals, you know, development space, uh, development sector stakeholders, if we could just identify one area that we can focus on, what would that area be? That's one. And then what would be your recommendation policy-wise to bridge the gap in that area? Maka, this is a tough one. And I call this, <laughs> I think this question is a setup. Because, you know, uh, as we think in Nigeria, one area is not enough. There's so many things that, you know, and everything is almost tied into an ecosystem, like just a complex web of so many issues. And so one thing cannot be enough, but I'll do my best to stick to one. Um, and if yeah. I talk about two, three, pardon me. But, in the process, um, that's fine. Yeah, to, to start with, I think one interesting thing that we not noticed in this year's um, data is the, is, the, is the fact that there are businesses that said they are growing right you know um a couple of businesses in the large number of businesses said they experienced some form of growth relative to to last year and what we also found is that very very few, few of these businesses that grew are employing additional staff and that's one. So there's a very weak link between growth and employment. And that's why you would see that, you know, we have that problem of unemployment within the country. And so what that means is that the nature of growth of many businesses has been more vertical. So it's almost like, oh, my revenue grew by 5%. Um, you know, my cash flow improved by XYZ percent and all that. But we're not seeing that much horizontal growth of of creating new outlets, expanding to other cities, you know. Um, so it's almost like a vertical growth that most many of these businesses are, are experiencing. And so, um, in fact, only 8% of businesses that grew said they created new outlets in the last one year. So you can see that government policy needs to be able to assist businesses to scale, and not just to scale, to scale to even newer newer markets both within nigeria and outside nigeria and so uh, in terms of the action step that is you know very important i think one of that is to be able to reduce all of those bottlenecks that limit the expansion or the capacity of businesses to expand 
even within their states to other states and then to conquer regional markets within Africa and even to you know global markets so and, and so I'm talking of a myriad of issues relating to taxation all of the multiple taxes all of the issues relating to infrastructure um, how easy is it to start a business what supports you know are there for businesses that you know have the capacity to grow and scale you know at that level you know um so i'm talking here about the need for government to even be able to handhold businesses i mean i see what we you do at faith foundation excellent work supporting all of these businesses but i, I sometimes i'll say to people that i wish we had maybe one million faith foundation type institutions in nigeria maybe that's when we would start to see that massive game-changing initiatives um, so i think there's that role for the government to play in terms of uh, being able to provide uh, business support programs you know access to finance you know and not just finance finance that will be monitored and tracked and ensure that it goes into the business and then we have performance indicators to be able to monitor that over time to ensure that the business is able to grow so yeah so uh, that's uh, one key point that i think was highlighted in this report and i think it's really really important especially at the time when you know the subsidy removal thing is really affecting businesses and so people are looking for where to run to you know where where can i get help you know people are asking family and friends but that's not enough so we need that government support especially um, directed at these small businesses which you know many would often say is the bedrock of any economy yeah thank you thank you wilson so i hear you in terms of government support and just holistic government support so let's jump over to you gospel and then we'll come to you Ebola. yes um very interesting um, perspectives um, there's so much you know that that can be done and that needs to be done really quickly um there is no one size fits all you know approach to our, you know, doing business or MSME reforms as the case may be in Nigeria. I do not think it's a one-size-fits-all approach. I think um, um, from, again, the study that the data we saw, there's so much nuances, you know, within the Nigerian business environment, especially when you categorize them subnationally. So, which would mean that from a subnational context, executive leaders, meaning government, uh, you know, the legislature, the executive government, the uh, judiciary and all these blocks of stakeholders in that business environment need to begin to craft something that works for that locale you know and again much more important importantly working with faith foundation and the faith institute to ensure that there is a strong coherence between uh, what's happening on ground what our data says you know crafting a theory of change that works in that locale you know and then facilitating the right stakeholder onboarding uh, you know what are the necessary reforms that need to go into the mainstream so the, the, the reform that may work in lagos to very large extent may not be the same reform that would work in Oyo state yes i agree that there are general reforms that must happen like infrastructure and all of that they're general reforms but there are very um, subnational specific reforms that must happen if uh, businesses in this local environment will scale significantly and more importantly scale to create more jobs you know scale to add to local gdp you know scale to be able to pay taxes and do all the likes and all of that so i, I believe so strong that subnational prosperity is very hinged again 
on crafting policies that work locally for doing businesses. And they need to work with thought leaders like uh, the Faith Foundation and the Faith Institute to get that running effectively. Also to add that lots of states have, you know, what basic economics will call comparative advantages or maybe competitive advantage as well. Uh, but you realize that because they've not been able to maximize that, there was a rise in talent migration, for instance. You know, there's a there's a rise in business migration, for instance. You know, some businesses that probably set up in Lagos have found themselves moving to Ibadan now, for instance, because of the lower barrier to the assumed or perceived lower barrier to entry. You know, the stronger income disposable block and all of those interesting socioeconomic factors as well. So if um, if states can understand what their comparative advantage is based on human capital, based on uh, reduced barriers to entry, based on the stronger socioeconomic environment or you know consumer profile, that may also inform their approach to creating an environment that is ready, you know, for investment, you know, that is ready to support local businesses and all of that. And and because most of these states haven't also understood what holds as a potential for them. You also have a situation where there are so much more informal businesses in many emerging um, economies in Nigeria. All right. So take for instance, you have more informal businesses in like an oil state, in even Kaduna State and all those places than some other states. You know, so you want to ask yourself, how can we begin to ensure that you know we are drafting things that work locally and we are scaling in partnership with institutions like Create Foundation um, to deliver that. I believe that having a one-size-fits-all is part of one of the major reasons why we are today as a nation, as a people, and as businesses in Nigeria. Because when when the regulatory um, policies go live, you know, many times it's usually a disincentive for businesses to stay in the formal environment. All right, so businesses are actually, I mean, all those regulatory and bottlenecks and stuff like that are actually incentives for them to even go in from our, stay in from our, and stay somewhere below the regulatory radar. And you have a lot of business, almost 43% of businesses right now, you know, in terms of nano, micro, small businesses right now, are, you know, informal sector players who do not mind playing formal, but would rather stay under the regulatory radar because of the hurdles it takes. You know to succeed playing formal and all of that so um yeah so like i said more context driven solutions no two states are the same no two local environments are the same and then we can begin to scale um accordingly i believe that getting the getting the nigerian business environment to become more thriving takes a lot of complex work and lots of interdependent factors you know to ensure that you know um, uh, we, we're, we're getting to our preferred destination as a nation Thank you. Thank you very much, Gospel. I hear you on context-driven solutions. Um, and I think that that's very key, especially in a country like Nigeria, where it's really dynamic. You know, what happens in Lagos totally differs from what happens in a place like Kogi, for example. So um, context-driven solutions, policies, and programs. Um, I hear you strongly on that. Oyebola, do you want to chime in here? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, um, Wilson and um, Gospel have really much put uh, forward most of the major uh, areas that I would have really talked about. But I am just to pick back on what Gospel spoke around. I mean, looking at enabling business environments, even it's been one of our uh, key pillars for measuring entrepreneurship development in Nigeria. For the past two years, it has, it has ranked the lowest out of all the pillars. So, I mean, for me, I feel like if we really want to get it right, 
the business environment where the NMM, the um, entrepreneurs play in, uh, in, and in general, the NMSME sector plays in, has to be favorable enough for them to stimulate some form of you know growth for them for, for me the business environment is a catalyst to ensuring that all the other pillars actually you know you know um work for lack of a better word but if you want businesses to have good better performance if you want um the perception for future opportunities for businesses to to be more positive then the business environments that they play in has to be favorable now how can we make and how can we ensure that this environment is favorable by putting out or by policymakers or stakeholders involved in policy making, putting out or implementing policies that would actually make a difference for businesses, positive difference for businesses in Nigeria. And another area also that I feel like the government is really, really sleeping on the youth. Um, so the youth-led businesses in Nigeria. I mean, from the data that we even have from our report this year, um, the the youth businesses were responsible for creating over seventy percent of new businesses within the last one year. So if we have an a, 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 an age group that is very very instrumental and very critical in job creation, um, so why are we not doing more in ensuring that that um, that um, age group gets all the necessary um funding um necessary um care for lack of a better necessary uh, attention from government and um we know that there's this rising youth and um, of the rising youth entrepreneurship in nigeria is, is, is largely due to the fact that you know they're no longer you know when you leave school the dream of saying i'll leave school and the next thing i want to apply for a formal job and get a formal job you know that is doing the even from data from nbs shows that you know um, unemployment in Nigeria, it's um, it's it's it's, it's on, on on the rise. So youth businesses are looking for opportunities to actually you know fend for themselves, be contribute to society, um, contribute to developing themselves by you know getting uh, involved in businesses. So if we have this large population in Nigeria, you know, wanting to um, um contributing more to the um to business in nigeria in terms of home job creation i think government needs to look into that sector you know put a lot of uh, policies in place that would uh, ensure that youth businesses can thrive if you look at one of the issues that um, youth businesses um noted that affects their business was number one challenge was the fact that they cannot access finance or the lack of access um or being able to access finance for their businesses so i think um in terms of my own recommendations, uh, more attention should be um, put to the um, youth businesses, youth-led businesses, um, equip them with all the necessary um, tools they need, um, create financing um, financing opportunities for them so they can access finance for their businesses to start to even grow and even for, um, scale their businesses and just ensure that the youth, um, youth businesses in Nigeria um, try because like data, like you said earlier on, data doesn't lie and from the data we are seeing, youth businesses have a lot of potential um, and a lot of um, potential for entrepreneurship development in Nigeria. So that will be uh, my recommendations. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ebola. Um, and thank you very much, gentlemen. We've, we've said we've said a lot. Um, we've discussed a lot. Um, but I think that on the on the final note, it's it should be that the government just needs to first off understand the complexities, the dynamics, and the nuances that exist within the space, um, right? And 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 take or adopt a holistic approach to to addressing the gaps that exist. 
Um, I agree with Wilson in terms of having almost like a multi-layered approach. So even if we're focusing on one, it's, it has ripple effects that can begin to address some of these other issues, you know, that exist. Um, and then there's also the fact that there are demographic segments within the ecosystem that also require, in a way, some specific lens in terms of designing programs and um, interventions for them. So case in point would be the youth-led entrepreneurs or youth-led um, businesses rather, as well as female-led businesses, you know. So these demographic segments experience the general issues that exist within the space slightly differently. How do we also begin to bridge that? And, and so I think that first up is that the government just takes that time to fully understand um, the varying, the varying, the multiple moving parts that exist within the space. And then on the basis of that, now identify the top issues and devising way or means to begin to address them. If I just look at the state of entrepreneurship report last year, we had access to finance topping the list. We had um, access to markets in terms of challenges that entrepreneurs or businesses in Nigeria faced. And last year, we surveyed 8,611 nano, micro, small, and medium enterprises. This year, we surveyed over 10,300 nano, micro, small, and medium enterprises. And so if we look at what the top issues were last year, we had access to finance, we had access to markets, um, we had multiple taxation, we had capacity building, you know, we had unstable government policies. And when I look at the issues that exist, uh, you know, this year or that we're seeing this year, very similar. We still have access to finance topping the list, you know. And so Oyebala mentioned that for youth entrepreneurs, access to funding is a problem. But guess what is a problem for even other demographic segments within the space or within the ecosystem as well. So there's access to finance this year. There's still poor access to markets. Then you have poor financial management, still tied to funding. Um, you know, you have training and business support. Again, unstable um, government policies raise its head again this year. Um, and still on the list, we also have multiple taxation. So it just seems like these issues year in, year out, you know, remain the same, even if they shift in terms of positioning um, on the ranking. But what now needs to happen is the government can identify one, two, three of this and decide, you know, design a framework based on data. And that's why we're here at the Fate Institute to provide that support, a framework that can address some of these issues head on and have, you know, a plan that shows deliverables in the short or in the immediate short to medium to long term and that's where we are able to track and over time we can see some form of progress happening around this repetitive or consistent problem areas um, within the ecosystem so our hope is that the current government you know who so far you know has seems to be paying attention uh, because, for example, we have the current government, you know, inaugurates the presidential committee on fiscal and fiscal policy and tax reforms, you know, so there's that. And hopefully we can have some, we can find some respite with regards to the multi-taxation issues that exist for businesses, you know. Um, and I know that the current government has also introduced a couple of programs, funding programs, particularly within the manufacturing sector, within the agri space, you know, and even for uh, NMSMEs, you know. But the hope is that we have a more, we have a more comprehensive plan and strategy in place 
to address these issues um, so that we can begin to see the results. Um, on that note, thank you very much, gentlemen. And for everyone listening, we've been discussing the state of entrepreneurship in Nigeria Report 2023. You can download this report for free uh, when you visit our website, www.faithfoundation.org forward slash research. Um, you can access this report and many other reports that we put out at the Faith Institute. Um, for now, we'll sign off and say thank you very much. So we'll come your way again with the next episode. Please follow us on all our social media platforms for real-time updates. Thank you and bye for now.